to another episode of the Frosty and Frost Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Frost. With me as always, now, defending champion, Perenny. Do you hear the We Are the Champions playing in the background right now, Derek? <laughs> I can, you know, it's, it's like that scene in Spinal Tap where it's like, can you hear it? And it's like, I don't hear anything. It's like, well, if it was playing, you would hear it. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> See, we have, we have a budget, and there's the copyright stuff, so I couldn't actually play it. But you know, as soon as you say that, everybody in their heads it's playing, so they yeah. they get the point. Right, right, exactly. Uh, so, Tony, congratulations on your first championship in this league and taking down Charlie Thurber. We're going to get into that game uh, and into the championship here in a minute, but. Uh, you know, it's uh, we have to address the elephant in the room, and that is that we are quickly becoming late March here. Uh, it is it is now after the first day of spring, and I was looking back, Tony. The last episode we dropped was on Christmas Day, so we've had a long gap in here, Tony. And uh, you know, it's been a it's been a little crazy on both sides of of our our hosting duties, and we really haven't been able to get much out. But we are kind of we are starting anew. We are springtime brings new beginnings, and the Frosty Live Tour will be getting underway here very soon. Yeah, and new beginnings is is the big thing here because I, I believe we have a, a number of these planned for the coming weeks. Uh, probably going to have some different co-hosts jumping on just to keep things fresh a little bit, and then uh, we'll, we'll announce a little bit later. Uh, we haven't issued any draft stuff yet, which some people. Uh, may have noticed. I know uh, loyal fan jo- Jordan Pennell has noticed and has, has called us out for it. Uh, that should be getting going next week. So Charlie and I are in the lab putting together some stuff, and they're hopefully going to be putting together a weekly thing leading up to the draft starting next week. So uh, hopefully we're coming back with a vengeance here after a couple months off, really bookending the holidays there between Christmas and, and St. Patrick's Day. But uh, I, I think we're nice and rested now. I, I think we've had a pretty nice long uh, vacation and we're ready to get back at it. Yeah. And so let's pick up right where we left off, Tony. Last time we talked, it was going to be you versus Charlie Thurber for that championship. We already knew Kevin was taking the ACT, uh, but it was you versus Charlie. And Charlie had had we, that just really unexpected season, especially in the playoffs, where he's constantly projected as the underdog. And sure enough, he kept winning, kept winning, kept winning. Tony, you had a kind of a different season where you jumped out to an early big lead. And we're talking, you know, record-breaking points for, you know, each game. It was like, can he can he beat his own record from last week? You know, just hitting these 160s, 180s, 200. And it was really this kind of David versus Goliath matchup in the in the championship game where Charlie is predicted as a significant underdog, but we've seen this before. Can Charlie come out and win it? But no, Tony, sometimes Goliath wins. And sure enough, you got a you really kind of coasted to victory, I'll say, because it was it was a very lopsided contest there at the end in that last matchup. But you were you were able to secure that championship. And so what does that mean for your squad? Uh, it was huge. It was huge. It was it was invalidated my approach for uh, really the last couple seasons. I kind of I went kind of went with a similar approach last season, but uh, guys just didn't get going fast enough uh, to get me to the playoffs. But 
this year had injury luck on my side, which is probably the first time in this league. Nobody really went down for any uh, substantial period of time. So that helped a ton. Uh, and my guys just hit their stride at the right time. And uh, in this instance, uh, I think Goliath changed his name to Alvin Kamara for the playoffs. Uh, we have six touchdowns in, in our semifinal matchup uh, and then follow that up with a couple touchdowns in the championship week. Uh, it, it becomes a lot easier uh, to get W's come playoff time uh, when your best players are performing like your best players like that. And had to be had to be a bitter pill for Charlie to swallow there, uh, going down to uh, one of his Tennessee volunteer stars in Alvin Kamara. Uh, that, that probably made it hurt a little more for him. Yeah, I would imagine, <laughs> but you know, certainly a, a great season out of Thurber's squad and a great season out of your squad. You know, we've we've talked about kind of off air that your your football knowledge hasn't really translated to fantasy success. And when I say we've talked about off air, I mean we've talked behind your back off air, others of us. Um, and so it's great to see that you finally have hit that championship, uh, that championship win. You, you now sit amongst some of the Titans in this league uh, as, as champions. And so, Tony, what does it take for you now to repeat uh, similar to a Steve Groover from a few years ago? Well, I got to take a look at my lineup and uh, see what exists there from a keeper standpoint. Kamara's still relatively cheap for me. I uh, got a couple other guys. Lamar Jackson's still not real expensive. Not sure if I'll bring him back. Uh, but I also have a couple young guys for a couple dollars that may fit in there and then just have to kind of put together a good draft strategy again and hopefully get the same injury luck next year. You know, that's a huge component of this every single year is the luck component. So you, you can build the best team out there on paper and then one or two guys goes down and the entire thing is just uh, completely twisted around or it may not even be somebody on your team going down. It might be a quarterback for uh, the, the receiver that, that is on your team that goes down and the entire offense is bogged down. So there's so many different factors that goes in. So uh, football knowledge is obviously a huge piece of it, but it's not the biggest piece of it. And a lot of it is just in risk management and trying to uh, put yourself in a position where you can kind of, you know, weather the, the storms that, that come during a season because there's always going to be adversity out there. So, um, we'll see if I can put together a similar strategy next year. And um, I'm, I feel like because of my injury luck this year, I'm going to have to be especially attentive next year to making sure that I have some players in backup spots because it's very unlikely you're going to put together two straight seasons like that without anybody getting hurt. Yeah, it, it was it was fun to watch you. It was fun to watch this season. Uh, there were there were so many great storylines throughout this season of, you know, the, uh, the, the the Tyler Kerr not really paying attention. And then, you know, me stepping into that advisor role, getting him out of the ACT. Charlie Thurber's just kind of miraculous run it through the playoffs and going up against you for that championship. You know, your your kind of going after your own personal records there for for points scored uh, and comparing you to some of those Groover teams from a few years back. You know, just a lot of great storylines coming out of this year uh, throughout throughout the league. And, and so I think a great a great way to to cap it off. Now, Tony, you know, 
the championship kind of fell in amongst a lot of big changes for you uh, in in the personal life outside of outside of the podcast. And so there's been uh, quite a bit going on in in Tony's life. And so Tony, tell us what uh, what's been happening. Well, at the end of the season, uh, I think we mentioned a couple times on the on the podcast, especially in uh, with some of our live reads, uh, that uh, Lauren and I bought a house, a, a new one in in Willoughby. So we've been transitioning to that over the last couple months. Uh, that hit right before Christmas, which, as you can expect, was a breeze to tackle. Um, had juggling two houses right around the around the Christmas season. Uh, I don't see why that would be difficult. Yeah, yeah it's super easy. <laughs> I think when it was all wrapped up, I think I got got rid of the old house. It was about three days before Christmas, and that's when I started my Christmas shopping at that point. Because up to that point, I couldn't focus on any of that. Um, so people got a lot of gift cards this year, needless to say. Um, <laughs> so then got got moved into the house, got uh, got warmed up here a little bit, and uh, over over the last couple weeks. Uh, Lauren, uh, she she was finishing nursing school, as a lot of people know, uh, passed her boards. And then um, on the day that she received notice that she passed her boards, I also uh, got down on the knee and uh, added a ring to the collection. So uh, we are officially engaged and uh, wedding planning and all that stuff right now. So uh, it's it's a prelude to another busy segment of our lives, but uh, it's, it's definitely something that we're excited for. So uh, yeah, we, we've crammed a lot of life into about four months. Hey, congratulations, Tony. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, so big things happening with you there. So, um, you know, the wedding planning, I know, it, I know it's early. Um, how is that? How's that been going? Uh, actually not too bad so far. I think we, we have a, a date established. We have some of the major uh, things, major boxes checked right now. So venue is, is booked. Photographers booked kind of work on the DJ right now, but we're about a year and about a year and a quarter out right now. So I think we're in a pretty good spot. And I think we, we each have a pretty good idea of uh, what we want this to look like. We're obviously on the same page for it. So that helps a ton. So, so far, so good. Uh, just kind of right now putting together schedules and putting together spreadsheets and, you know, the, the nerd in me is, is putting together all this stuff to make sure we don't miss anything, but, uh, just trying to get, get a sense for when everything needs to be done right now. is kind of the process we're in, but, uh, should be fun when it all comes to fruition. We, we kind of planned on probably eloping initially. And then as, as you get into this process and you start getting guilt tripped by different family members and, uh, you know, it, it, it becomes harder to to sell that to the family. So we, we've eventually turned the corner and gone the route of, oh, uh, you know, let, let's let's do something a little more traditional. So it uh, should be good. Now, Tony, the, I, I got married a number of years ago now, but one of the things that was was interesting is something that you touched on there, and that's the nerd in you with with spreadsheets. Um, I remember I, I spent like eight hours on a Saturday and just created all of these spreadsheets for every piece of the wedding. Now, I was minimally involved in planning our wedding. Um, I was more of like, hey, here's the three things I'm between. Can you pick one? Uh, because eventually you look at like all of these invitations and you're like, what is the difference between these two? And it's like, well, this one has 
a sl- like a very skinny gold bar going across the top, and this one doesn't. You're like, oh, okay, like yeah, yep. but you, you yep. have to pick, right? You have to choose between. You have to pick one, and so well, which one matters? And you're like, I, I don't think anybody's going to care whether there is or isn't a gold bar across the top. But you know, you pare it down from thousands of options down to two or three. You know, they all kind of look similar, but if you're an Excel nerd, a wedding is an incredible thing to really nerd out on because there's so many different lists and checklists and, you know, all of the invitations and who's going to what, you know, you have your wedding, you have your various bridal showers, you have, you know, um, your bachelor, bachelorette parties, like all of these things that then, you know, who's involved in this, who's involved in that. And, you know, how do I make sure that, you know, as I'm getting RSVPs that we're keeping that, keeping track of that. And then if you're doing assigned seats or assigned tables, keeping track of that. And, you know, this person can't be by this person because back in the 70s, there was a big family brawl. And, you know, there's so many <laughs> things. And yeah, so, I'm looking forward to that part. <laughs> right, right. And then, then you're like, you're like, well, do I want the interest of putting those two people at the same table and seeing what happens? Or am I trying to avoid that and put them across, <laughs> you know, <laughs> This, you know, this uncle should be by the bar because he's fun when he drinks and he can't walk real well. But this uncle probably shouldn't be that close to the bar because bad things happen. And so all of these different things that start going through your mind are a lot of fun. I'm excited for you guys uh, to be, you know, to have that date uh, to to, you know, spend the rest of your rest of your lives together. It's a lot of fun. Um, You know, and I I hope for you guys all goes all goes well all goes to plan and the things that don't go to plan are still for the better yeah yeah it's a lot of it is just kind of you know conditioning yourself mentally to be like it's okay if some of the stuff doesn't go right because not all of it's going to so that's going to be a big piece of the next like year it's kind of like you have to kind of get yourself mentally prepared for that you know you can spend all this time planning stuff and inevitably something's going to go wrong at the end of the day as long as we're married uh, it's really all that matters. So um, I'm, I'm already getting getting asked my opinion on, on certain things. Normally, I think it's just to like weed out the one that she think isn't the right one. So uh, if, if I say this is the one and she usually goes with one of the other ones. So I'm, I imagine <laughs> I imagine your process was similar. <laughs> yeah, it was it was generally like a, you know, bring me bring me two or three. Um, but only the ones that you really want. Like I'll, I'll be the final picker of things uh, because at the same time, if I recognize like all three are the same, then I'm just going to like eeny, meeny, miny, mo and just pick one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, there initially there were like, you know, two that I like, but one that I don't, but he might like. And so like I would pick it and then it'd be like, well, but I think this, and then it's like, why did you bring it to me? Like, just if you liked one, pick that one. Um, yeah. You know, because I don't, I didn't particularly care that much about a lot of it. Um, you know, like you said, don't, at the end of the day, we'll be married and everything will be fine. And yes, things will go not according to plan, but, you know, keep the big picture in mind and it, and it will turn out perfect. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely did not envy or, or you know, I, I highly appreciated the time Laura put into planning everything. And going through the thousands of options, you know, it's like, well, which which linens do we want? And I was like, oh gosh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those like, even if I get a vote, like if we get to the wedding day and it's not those ones, I'm probably not even gonna know. <laughs> no, well, the invitations are the fascinating one because they're the ones that you like 
really you you like you mail them but then you don't see them after that it's yeah. like, like i really don't care <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah you have to pick save the dates and invitations and then they have ones that are combined so you can get like the same theme across the two um or you can do separate ones do you get your picture on them do you not get your picture on them it's just oh man oh, so many um, options yeah. so many yeah. options but i think you have the you have the same mentality i did of all that stuff is is extra it's it's fun and if it stops being fun then like you need to, i think change the strategy yeah um, then you're doing it is supposed to be fun. Yeah. yeah yeah totally agree so should should be a fun couple months stay tuned uh, i'm sure there'll be some stories to come from it for for podcast content but uh yeah yeah things have been busy but uh seems like you know that's that's still a year and a quarter away so i've had plenty of time to kind of Reimmerse myself in the football news going out there. I got March Madness brackets going on, so I'm I'm kind of turning back into my my full degenerate self here. <laughs> <laughs> well, so how's the house coming? Are you guys kind of fully in? I mean, obviously you don't have the old house anymore, so you're you're obviously living at the new one. Um, is it is it pretty much you guys are living the 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 full version of it, or are you still working on things, projects happening? Oh, uh, there's always projects happening. We we're trying to get a, a patio put in here soon. Uh, we did we did a fence as soon as we got in. So we we got the keys. I think it was a Wednesday, and on Thursday morning the the fence construction started. Um, so that that was that was fun trying to get HOA approval and city approval and everything. We didn't actually have a house. Uh, <laughs> it kind of all came in at the last second. So it was, my message to the HOA board was kind of at that point, well, this fence is starting with or without you on this date because next week is snow. So kind of has to happen now. Uh, <laughs> and they, they finally caved, but they, they were giving me the runaround for a good couple of weeks. So I thought the, the fence was going to be riding dirty for the whole first year we were here. We were to go to a bunch of HOA board meetings and things like that to defend it and stuff like that. But luckily that didn't have to happen. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, th things are going good. There's always like little projects that we want to do. The house is only about six, seven years old. So not a whole lot that needs to be done. It's all just kind of cosmetic stuff we want to do. So, sure. um, but also you're, you're juggling home improvement stuff with, uh, having to fund wedding stuff now too. So, uh, kind of, prioritizing things as we go. We kind of have a list of things we want to do to the house, but not all of it's going to happen this year or even next year, maybe uh, some short term, some long term. Every, everybody who's, who's bought a house can, can definitely relate to that. There's, there's some things that you prioritize immediately. There's some things are like eh, down the road. We'd like to do this. So, uh, but no, we're, we're in, we're, we're in at this point. Um, uh, it's, it now feels like home. Uh, it took took probably a month or so to finally get to that point, but now it definitely feels like, um, you know, I'm I'm not on autopilot accidentally driving to my old house anymore, <laughs> <laughs> like was happening for the first couple of weeks. Dude, that that part is is no joke. Um, I, I live, in, and a lot of you guys know this. Um, I live very close to my parents. Um, it, it's about a five minute drive, but you would. You would drive past my current neighborhood to get to my parents' neighborhood. And actually, like, if I look, you know, before the leaves come on the trees, if I look out my my front window just right, I can see, like, my one parents, my parents' one window. Um, so we can, like, see each other, but it, it's a little bit of a 
I mean, tiny bit of a drive. But many times, so basically there's two ways to get to my neighborhood. Um, and they're the same two ways that you would get to my parents' neighborhood. And so there were times that I turned into my parents' neighborhood when I should have passed it and times that I passed my neighborhood when I should have turned into it. <laughs> and a lot of times Laura just happens to also be in the car as that happens, which is which is not the situation you want. Because then she's like, where are you going? And I'm like, well, I, I, I was on autopilot. And for, you know, 15 years, this is what I, you know, when I came down this street, I turned into this neighborhood. Uh, and now we're, you know, doing the other way. Um, and then it'll be also funny, too, if I'm riding with my parents or I'm, or my parents are riding with me, we'll constantly either, like, pass my neighborhood or turn into theirs, uh, meaning to go to the other ones. So, yeah, it. Uh, I'm glad to hear you're not on autopilot anymore because every so often even... Now, okay, let me ask you this. How close to the old house did you get before? Like, what was the closest you got to the old house before you realized it was wrong? Oh, I, I was almost pulling into the driveway the one day. <laughs> <laughs> No, no joke. <laughs> I get down there and uh, they made us for the, the point of sale inspection for the city of Willowick. Uh, they made me replace sidewalk blocks, which was a whole bullshit thing on, on its own side. But I, I get down to my house and I see like the, the sidewalks tore up because they were in the process of replacing them. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> <laughs> So it probably looked like I was just like snooping on the sidewalk job. And I was like, no, I'm just going to keep going straight now and turn back around. <laughs> a couple of times I've been able to like play it off. It was like, God, we still go down to that area to do a lot of the shopping and stuff like that. The Giant Eagle, the Aldi's, uh, there's a Marks down there. Like a lot of that stuff. Uh, we still like going down there. It's a little less congested than it would be in Willoughby. And like, I'll still get gas down there. So I've played it off a couple of times where I've, I've turned, taken the wrong exit. I'm like, eh. I could get gas <laughs> just, just to make it worth it. it. It's only about 10 minutes from our, our old house where we moved. So it's just a, a straight shot down Lakeshore. So um, if, if you're going for the scenic route home, it still kind of makes sense. But um, no, it has happened quite a bit. Um, so so on, on your end, has have you ever just with, with Laura in the car, just played it off as uh Okay, we're we're just gonna stop and see see mom and dad real quick when you've accidentally driven down there. No, because it's it's usually it's never been where I could just play it off. It's always just that like oh like I <laughs> I screwed up, and so yeah, it was like turn around like they're they're the way that my my parents' neighborhood is set up. I know I know you know this. Um, there's no other like way to get out. Like there's only one entrance and exit. Nope. So it's not even like you can just be like, oh, I'm just taking a little scenic route to our, like, no. If you turn down that road, you're either going to my parents' house or you messed up. And it's, it's always it's always just a mess up. It's bad. It's embarrassing. <laughs> but so when when we first moved, um, moved here, I was working um, up in, in Chardon. And so to go there, I would take the turnpike and I would get off at the Route 44 exit and then go go north. Well, the next exit is the exit to go to like Cleveland. And so most of my driving for the last, you know, three years at that point had been to go from the Cleveland exit to the Austintown exit. You know, there, there wasn't you didn't get off anywhere in between. And the first day I went to work after we moved to our, our current place, 
I was I was driving along and just you know like you get you're on autopilot you think about other things you know we just moved into the house so it's like all the all the things that we're like thinking about we need to do whatever and I drive right past the exit for work and at some point like I realize it like in between but there's no way like there's nowhere to get off you just have to like go to the Cleveland exit and so I'm just like oh no and it was gonna be one of those things like I was gonna barely skate into work on time as it is and now I just went like. 20 minutes, 30 minutes out of the way. So I, I text my boss. I was like, Hey, um, I, I got lost. Like I'm, I'm texting and driving. So I'm trying to do this like quickly. So it's just like, I got lost. Be, I'll be late. And so <laughs> I, <laughs> I got lost. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause it was going to be a lot to explain. Like, well, I was on autopilot. So I passed my exit, but I was going to for the next exit. And all that. But so I'm, I'm driving now all these like back ways, you know, that, that I had done before to get to work. But, you know, so I, I get there and they had set up basically the entire route from the door of the hospital to my desk signs that said, Derek, go this way. And it was <laughs> <laughs> so they had a good laugh at my expense. It was really funny. Uh, but yeah, I, I I definitely can relate to the autopilot just going to where you're used to going, and then you just like you're like oh man like I'm I'm dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it it took a little bit to get over, but I haven't done it in at least a month and a half now, so I think I'm over it now. So unless there's like some some other trigger and from my past that just instinctively makes me want to get off that exit, uh, I think I'm over it. <laughs> Well, that's good, Tony. Uh, so, yeah, definitely a lot happening uh, with you. I have not been uh, nearly as busy as you have been over the over our break. Uh, I did, you know, work was a little bit crazy in January, uh, and I, I got a 3D printer for Christmas. And so I've been playing a lot with the 3D printer and making all kinds of little trinkets and stuff. Um, but I have, uh, I have some big news, too, Tony. Okay. Tony, I... Uh, I don't know if you know the level of my physical fitness, um, but it's not good. Not good at all, Tony. But listen, we have Dead Coffee coming up here real soon. Um, about a month, less than a month now. It's 420 is when it starts. And uh, I, I was sitting here about eh, nine or ten weeks ago at this point. And I was like, man, when hockey starts, like I'm gonna die on the on the rink. Like it's gonna be bad because I I have I have no no fitness level. So I was I was thinking about, you know, what do I want to do? How am I gonna get in shape? And I was I was scrolling through Facebook as one does when they're thinking about fitness. And I, I had this this Facebook ad for a virtual 5K. And I was like, man, that's a good idea. If I if I train for a 5K, like, that'll get me used to running. Um, and then doing the 5K is kind of that, like, like you you have to do it. It's going to hold you responsible for that, you, the accountability piece, um, because the 5K is going to happen on a date. And so you need to do that. And uh, so I, I signed up for the 5K. And it was a virtual one. So I thought it'd be on a date. Well, no, here's a range of dates, like March 1st through the 20th. Submit your submit your time. And it's like, all right, like, okay, like that's good. The metal looked really cool, but I was like, that's that's probably not enough accountability. Like, I know myself real well, and that's that's not going to do it. So 
I'm looking uh, the Couch to 5K app, if anybody's used it. It's a, it's an eight-week program that basically does like uh, walk-jog combos and builds you up over the period of eight-ish weeks to get you up to, to three miles, um, which is about a 5K. So it's an eight-week program. I have I had nine weeks, I think, until um, until like a, a pretty much St. Patrick's Day. So I was like, well, maybe there's a real race I can run. And so sure enough, I look around and at the Canfield Fairgrounds, they're going to have a it's called the Shamrock 5K on on March 13th, and uh, it you know it's on a specific date. And I was like, that's that's the accountability I need. Like this this race is going to happen regardless of whether I'm there or not. And I'm going to sign up for that one. So I ended up signing up for two 5Ks, okay? Uh, but the one is in person. So I feel good, right? I have a couple friends I work with. Uh, they're, they're runners. And so I'm like, you know, give me, give me all the tips and tricks you have. And so I'm, I'm taking notes. I'm all excited. You know, that day I'm going to start. And so I come home from work that day, and it is just pouring down rain. I'm like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> of okay. course it is. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, I don't, I don't want day one. Like, I also know myself, like I'll get, I'll get frustrated and give up fairly easily, especially on day one. So I'm like, all right, no, you know what? Tomorrow, tomorrow's my day. And, you know, we're talking, this is, this is January into February. And so it's, it's cold, but we had those couple like warmer days. And so the next day I'm like, I'm going. And it had, it had gotten kind of cold throughout the day, but not, not, not super cold. And so I, I turn on my couch to 5K. I'm, I'm, I'm going around the neighborhood. I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, the, the sun is already down, as one can imagine, after work. And it starts – some of the spots that when I first started were just, like, wet are now icy. And so I almost almost fell. And so – but I felt good. I felt good. I went out. I ran that day. felt good. Um, the next day was a rest day, and then the day after that, you were going to start up again. And then so I got thrown off by, I think it, I think it had icy rained again. I was like, well, I've already done that once. Almost got hurt. I'm not going to do it again. I'm just going to go to the gym next time. And so I basically went through this, um, this cycle of, you know, well, tomorrow will be better. Tomorrow will be better. Tomorrow will be better. All of a sudden it's like March 10th. And I ran that one time. <laughs> so I'm like, well, okay, what do I do now? So I, I knew that you don't want to just, go run with no training but at the same time um what training am i going to do three days before a 5k to get ready for a 5k <laughs> so ultimately i'm just like well I, I talked to one of my friends and she was like you're better to be her words were undercooked than overcooked for a race so you're better off to like if you if you go and like run today or tomorrow a couple days before the race like you're going to be hurting and you're probably not like it's going to be worse than not doing anything before the 5k just like do a run jog or a jog walk combo on the 5k and just go cold because you're probably better off doing that and i was like all right that makes sense so i um i'm getting ready to go saturday is at two o'clock p.m which is the worst time to run a race because you have all day to think about it <laughs> yeah that's awful don't, don't they normally start those like first thing in the morning like 8 a.m uh, yeah, when it's nice out, but when it's like 20, they want to give the, the sun a chance to warm things up a little bit. And so it ends up being like 30, 35, 36 degrees. So I, I go to the fairgrounds, figure out where I'm going, and I park. 
Now I see all these people and you could tell they're runners, like they're in shape. Like they didn't have donuts for breakfast that morning. You know, they, <laughs> they got big, they got big smiles on their face. They're laughing, going up there, putting their, their numbers on. And yeah, I, I know all about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I get out and it's just me, right? I don't want anybody here for this. So I, I get out and I, I'm looking around. I can't figure out where you register. And I don't want to ask somebody where they registered because then, you know, they're going to be like, well, are, are you running? And I'm like, does it look like I'm running? And they're going to be like, that's going to put them in a weird spot because, like, I have the clothes on, but I don't have the physique. <laughs> and whatever. So fortunately, somebody else asks. And so I follow that guy down to the pavilion. And uh, they, they hand me the bag of stuff. And it has, the you know, the, the T-shirt and the, the, the number bib. And it has the medal. And I was like, oh, I already have the medal. Do I have to run it? <laughs> <laughs> so I go I go back to my car to, you know, drop my stuff. I've never put a running bib on before because I've never run a race. Um, and so I have, I'm like, I'm overthinking everything, right? So I have like my, a jacket, like a zip-up jacket. So I don't want to put it like in the center because then if I have to take my jacket off, I, I can't. And so I ended up like putting it like weirdly off to the side. And then I saw like other people put on their shorts. And I was like, that was probably a better idea. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I clearly don't know what I'm doing. But they're like, all right, go to the starting line. And we're about we're about eight minutes to race time. So I see the starting line. I'm trying to figure out, okay, which way are we going to start running? And so where are the more in shape people? They're on this side. Okay, I'm going to go the other side. And so I am starting at like the very back. Because I don't want that like awkward like everybody's trying to run past me thing. So how they how they do the starting line though? Because like did everybody have to like wear masks up to the line and then like start running and then you could like take it off as you started going? Like how did how did that work with the, with the COVID protocols happening? Yeah, basically once they said go to the starting line, then they didn't really care about masks anymore. Okay, so COVID stopped existing once the race started. Uh, just prior to the race starting. Yes. Okay. Once they yep. said go to the starting line, um, that was the the signal to the COVID virus to just like just chill for a minute. Um, yeah. And then it, 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 back up it finally got the memo that it's been getting in Texas the entire time. So exactly. Like, it, it, it don't exist here. So just go away. <laughs> yes. Yes. Correct. Um, <laughs> a lot of folks, a lot of folks left the mask on until they um, actually started. Uh, it started running and kind of the crowd starts to disperse a little bit. Yep. Um, and then ultimately that's what I did, but you know, we're about, we're about five minutes till and I'm, you know, getting my music ready, getting all this stuff. And then all of a sudden I hear on your mark and I'm like, wait, we still have five minutes. Like, Oh God, I'm not ready for this. And then, but you know, they didn't, they didn't stop. So on your mark, get set, go. And I don't have my app ready. And so I, I was using the Nike running app. Uh, which is a really cool app, but I, I had never used it before. I was trying to use a guided run, and I didn't know what it was. So I was getting no music and no voice, and but the timer was going. And I'm like, ah, oh, crap. So I'm, I'm running. I'm trying to fix this thing. And at some point, I realized, like, I still have my mask on. So I'm trying to – so I'm taking the mask off. Like, So I end up, like, I can at least get music on. I'm like, all right, well, then the guided run thing won't happen. Whatever. I, I did, it's two laps around this, like, makeshift, like, course uh everything's fine so i run good for about a half mile and then uh at a thousand meters which is what like three-ish laps uh, around like a regular track mm -hmm. um they they 
the guy comes on. He's like, you're a thousand meters in. I'm like, okay, good. The guided thing did work. Uh, you know, you're a thousand, thousand meters in only 4,000 to go. And I was like, oh God, I'm, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> like, there's no way I'm going to make this, yeah. this whole five. That's almost worse having that, getting the, the checkpoints in your, in your head like that. Like, I almost rather just not know. Like, at some point, you'll just zone out and, like, maybe just get halfway there without even realizing it. Uh, but if it keeps if it keeps reminding you, that you know, that makes it harder. Well, yes and no. Because at the same time, they don't just – so he comes on and starts with that. And then it's like, you know, a good run is like a good book. Like, sometimes you make decisions about the maybe the characters or the plot, like, too early. And so don't do that with your run. You know, the run hasn't really gotten established yet. So keep giving it time. If it doesn't feel like a great run, you know, stick with it and all this stuff. I'm like, well, I don't really have a choice here because everybody's going to know if I just like get off the track, right? Like get off the course. Um, So it ended up, I actually really enjoyed the guided run piece of it. Uh, But that first, that first part where it's like you're, you're one fifth of the way through it and I, I'm about to die. Uh, that didn't feel good. That didn't feel good, Tony. <laughs> not a not a great start. Not a great start. So at that point, I'm like, all right, well, let's go ahead and start walking here a little bit. And uh, so I start walking, and you know, all these folks are starting to pass me, and that that's fine. I can handle that. You know, a lot of them look like they're in better shape than me. And so I'm now like, well, are we gonna go past the cars again? Because if we're going past the cars, like I'll just veer off the track, <laughs> hit, hit the car, and bounce. <laughs> And um, this, like, I, I hear this, like, shuffling footstep behind me. Like, somebody's, like, about to fall. And so I like, quickly look back, and this dude has to be, and I'm not exaggerating, he's got to be 90. And he comes, and he jogs past me. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, Derek, you're 31 years old. This man is three times your age. <laughs> like, Derek, you're not even going to be alive at 90. This dude's running a 5K and, like, running it and beating you. And so, like, that really, I, I, I had, like, this whole, like, internal crisis of, like, what are you doing with your life? Like, yeah, three, three quarters of the first lap of this podcast, I'm having, a, like, an internal crisis of what you're doing with your life because 90-year-old is now is now ahead of you. So oh, That's brutal. That's yeah, brutal. Yeah. So I'm just trying to figure out ways, like, how do I get out of, how do I get myself out of this situation? And... Little by little, like there's more people around me. Um, and so I'm starting to feel a little bit better. I start jogging again. Um, uh, so I'm like, hey, you're not doing that bad, like you're doing okay. Like, there's a lot of other folks, like maybe he's just like like you know, New York Times is gonna write a story about how great this this 90-year-old is and how many people he beats in this 5k. So I'm I'm running again, I'm feeling pretty good. And then I see this lady and she's she's ahead of me, and she's all gray. I mean, she's, she's old too. And she stops and takes a picture of like the trees. And I'm like, are you joking me? Like casual power walkers stopping and taking pictures or beating me also in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> so I come around like towards the first lap. I'm like, okay, there's the cars. But, like you, it would have to look like I was like finishing the race. Like, Ooh, that's not good. Like that's gonna look bad. Um, and so, but I'm around a lot of people like, I'm like, no, you, do the second lap because you're going to have to explain why you're getting off the track early. Like, do you fake an injury? It's like, no, that's that's crappy. Don't do that. Well, then that whole group I was running with, yeah, they were on their second lap. So they're going to go finish this race. And I'm just now halfway through it. So 
I, I keep getting the guy to run things. It's like, keep going. You're doing great. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, don't lie to me, guy. <laughs> so I end up coming around uh, lap two, and I am, like, everything hurts. Like, waist down is just, just in constant throbbing pain. And I see 90-year-old. And I was like, oh, here's my chance. And there's, like, two turns left, uh, probably, I would say, a half mile. And so now my only goal is don't lose to the guy who's almost dead. Like that is my only goal in this race at this point. And so I, I get to the last like quarter mile and I'm really close to him. And I start just like everything I can do at any last little bit of energy. I just start running as fast as I like can at that point, which still isn't much faster than a power walking pace, but it's everything I have. And so sure enough, I pass it. I feel great. Uh, photographer, power walker lady, she ends up beating me, but that's okay because I beat 90-year-old. And God bless 90-year-old. Like I said, I'm not. there's no way I'm alive at that point, and he's running 5Ks. Like, good good for him. Um, but I, I, I beat him. I feel good about it. My time for those interested and uh, was, don't laugh, 44 minutes, 27 seconds. So I'm a sub 45 minute 5k and I feel pretty, uh, pretty terrible about that. Uh, so I, I get off the track. No, but I, let me, let me, so I'm approaching the finish line and there's this like little like finish line inflatable thing they set up and it, it looks nice if you're not embarrassed already, but I'm embarrassed. So I just kind of want to be off of this thing. And there's this like one woman and I know she's trying to be supportive. She's clapping me across the finish line. And I'm just like, but can we just pretend like this isn't happening right now? Please, please no. Yeah. So, but, but again, I, she's, she's a nice lady, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I just, I just want to be out of here. So I grab my bottle of water and I just like walk to the car and my app was a little bit behind. So it's like, you've just completed the 5k. Like, if you want to run the 10K, and I was like, 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 pause, like, stop talking to me. Like, no, I don't want to do a 10K ever in my life. Delete the app. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's so, it. <laughs> so I get in my car and I call my wife and I was just like, I'm done. And she was like, I was wondering, I was worried about you. And I was like, I know, I know. Like, and of course, I'm, I'm talking now, like, I'm not completely out of breath, but it's like, I am, I am so out of breath. I was like, I know, I'm not dead. Like, I'm not dead. <laughs> So I, I'm telling her some of these stories about like trying to beat the 90 year old and and all this. And at this point, I'm just I just want to come home. But it's two o'clock and I didn't eat lunch because I didn't want to run slash walk on a full stomach. So it's like, all right, I'm going to pick something up for lunch on the way home. Like what? She's like, what do you want? I was like, McDonald's. I want McDonald's. <laughs> she's like, are you sure? Like Panera, like something like that. I was like, no, I want McDonald's. Yeah. So she's like, oh, OK. So I, I, I go to McDonald's and I, uh, I get myself a cheeseburger fries <laughs> and then I come home. And uh, the best part of this entire story is that I paused the Nike running app, but I didn't stop it. So, <laughs> so it has the path of my run and then it GPS followed me from the fairgrounds through the McDonald's drive through and then back to my house. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was the time on that trip? <laughs> <laughs> it was like 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so bad. Oh, that's oh, great. 
so I ended up um, Kayla, uh, Tyler's wife, for those who have been paying attention to the uh, to the fantasy league, text me how was the five k. So I call her, and you know her and Ty are both on speakerphone. I'm telling her about you know all all these stories, and we get through, and it's like the calls at like timestamp like 38 minutes, and Ty, Ty was like, hey. You would still be running. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so a few days later, the uh, the results come out because they had them in two heats. So you could do the two o'clock heat or the three o'clock heat, uh, you know, in yep. the effort of social distancing. Yep. So I didn't really know how I did compare. I knew there weren't many people on the track as I finished. Like I looked back and I'm like, yep, there's a handful out there, but not that many. It's time <laughs> a few tumbleweeds. <laughs> yeah. If you tumbleweeds go rolling by. And- <laughs> <laughs> so the results come out, and I scroll down to my my age group, which is 30 to 39. So I'm on, the, I'm on the lower end of the age group, and I'm scrolling down, scrolling down, and there's my name. But there's one dude behind me. I am not last, and that's what I feel good about. I have no idea who it was. For all I know, it's somebody with, like, only one leg, and they're like, yeah, I run 5Ks for fun, and but I beat I beat one-leg guy. So I think I feel pretty good about that, too. Um, and so the the question has been, will you run another 5K? And uh, not not like that. Not like that. If I get to a point where I, can, I run and I cannot embarrass myself, then yes. Uh, but no, that's bad. Tony was so bad. Yeah, yeah. I've I've done a, a race before. I did a, I did a 10k one time with a, an ex girlfriend, and it, it was not fun. I I I can relate to that, and I, I usually keep myself in pretty good shape, but I've never been a runner per se. I've never been a long distance runner, so uh, it's it's definitely not something that you can just pick up and do uh, without training for, uh, as I tried to do at that point too. Like it was, and, and if the, the weather's bad too, like it feels like for your first one, you just hit with all this inclement stuff. It just makes it worse and just compounds the entire experience for you. Well, and that's, you know, like I said, it was like 35 degrees, right? So, at, you know, real early in I'm huffing and puffing. And so you're just gasping this super cold air. And so my lungs are on fire uh, my legs are on fire. I have bad knees to begin with. Like when I, when I, in the past, when I was in shape, they were an issue. And then when you're not in shape, it's way worse. Um, so yeah, no, it was terrible. So then the other thing was like, well, what do you wear? Right. St. Patrick's Day. So you have to wear something green. It's surprising that I don't have that much green stuff. Um, so my, my initial go-to was I have a, um, a green Chicago Blackhawks, like St. Patrick's Day hockey jersey. And I have this like dumb like fedora that's a uh, shamrock, you know, covered in shamrocks and stuff. And so I was gonna wear that, and I was like all excited. I thought that was gonna be fun. And I was like, Do you really want that? Do you really want to like stand out like that? Like you're gonna yeah. do terrible. You just you want to really blend want... in. <laughs> yeah. And so I ended up. I had this like green like blank T-shirt, and I was like, I'm just gonna wear that. Like that way I blend in enough to be like, Oh, he's wearing green, and then it's just like a a jacket and shorts and just real nondescript. So yeah, I ended up just blending in, but uh, yeah, uh, all around super embarrassing. Yeah. They, they do start those races like super fast too. I, I, I can relate to that part where it's like, you, you think you have all this time, like you're standing there at the start line, like, Oh, I can, I can like scroll through my songs, try to figure out what I want. And all of a sudden they're, they're firing a gun. And you're going like, Holy shit, what just happened? <laughs> 
And I kind of wanted like a good like five minutes to like mentally prepare myself as I'm standing there for this, but you don't get it. Like I don't. It's like a secret or something that all the people that actually run know, but the people that don't, uh, just they're completely out of the loop on. Yeah, and I don't know if like somebody somebody's clock was going faster than than the iPhone clock, or if it was uh, they just like well, all the people that are supposed to be here are registered. There's nobody like walking towards the pavilion, so let's just get going. Yeah, and it's cold. Let's just let's just get this over with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So yeah, yeah that's I, good. I, I did, when I did mine, it was a 10k. It was in the city of Akron. You started at the Akron Football Stadium and you ended at the Akron Football Stadium. And uh, you, you either you had an option because my ex girlfriend at the time was she was a runner. Like she did like half marathons and stuff. Like she did this shit. Okay. And. I was like, okay, I'd, I'd like to participate in something at some point, just so I'm not like this dude who like never runs with her. And the options for this race were either you could do the 10K or you could do a mile. I was like, well, I think I could do more than a mile. Like, <laughs> is there like a 5K option like in the middle? Like, <laughs> so I was like, whatever, I'll do the 10K. And <clears throat> it just poured down rain for this entire race, the entire thing. Like, we woke up that morning. Uh, and I think I think it started at like eight eight thirty or something like that. And like it was it was pouring from the second we got in the car to go there to the second we got back in the car afterwards, which just made things worse. Um, and and actually did really really good for a good portion of it. And we started getting towards the end of the home stretch, and I see the football stadium. And at that point, like me and her are neck and neck, and I started getting cocky, like. I, I see the football stadium. I'm going to start sprinting ahead. I'm going to beat her ass. Like this, this is going to happen. Not realizing that we had to go around the football stadium and enter the other side. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like damn near sprinting. I just burned myself out at the front of the stadium, not realizing that we still had to go all the way around it. <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> So then she just fires past me. I'm like fucking walking down, down the side, down the side of the stadium to get down to the other end zone and eventually pick myself back up and start running. But I was dead. <laughs> it, it was all my fault. Cause if I just like stuck to the process, I probably would have been fine. Um, but I, I had to win and it ended up costing me. I ended up not winning. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, kudos to you for like even finishing a 10 K. I don't think uh, having run a five that I could do another five, uh, even walking at that point. So, you know, that's, that's impressive to, to be able to pretty much do that cold, uh, man. I don't think I could do it now. Oh, well, you know, I, I think about like back, you know, obviously high school was a, was a long time ago. Like we used to just like go and like be bored on a Saturday and be like, let's go up to the track and like run. And yeah. like, that was, you know, that was a way to blow time. And I, I looked at the, like, 14 to 19 year old age bracket and you know they're all like some of them are, are faster and but the worst one was at 30 minutes i'm like yeah i probably could have done this in 30 like sub 30 minutes back then for sure uh but you know yeah. well congrats Derek. congrats on finishing it's still good stuff oh yeah so listen hey i finished the 5k which is something i had never done before and I submitted that time to the virtual 5K, which was the better medal. So uh, it looks like I've run two 5Ks. So that's more, nice. that's twice as many 5Ks as I ran last year. Hey, it's at the start. Everybody's got to start somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe it's a finish. I don't, I don't know. It's, I think it's both. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, 
It's just bad, Tony. It's bad. <laughs> All right, Tony. Let's move on. Uh, let's move on to some NFL news. And oh, free agency, my friend, is in full swing in the NFL. Some big things to talk about here, Tony. Drew Brees. Drew Brees is retired. He has yeah. put in all of his time in New Orleans. He gets one Super Bowl out of it. Um, but but he is he is done. And the guy who's not done, Tom Brady, signs for four more years in Tampa Bay. Um, yeah, and, then, and, and we haven't really even gotten to talk since the Super Bowl where you know Tom Terrific goes and gets another Super Bowl victory at this point, just in another location, just to, to flex on everybody. Um, and, and really looks like he could legitimately play another four years, like especially in that system now where they have him pretty well protected with good weapons around him. Like they could prolong his career another couple of years. It's, it's amazing what he's doing. You know, it really is. And I didn't know uh, when when Brady leaves the Patriots, I was really curious to see what would happen. And and I, I would have told you that there's no way either team wins the Super Bowl. But I felt like the Patriots were probably in a better spot than Tampa, especially we look at the first couple weeks into the season. And Tampa wasn't, you know, they're still trying to figure things out. And with, with hindsight, it's it's easy to come back and say that. But, you know, you look at Tom Brady, how old he is, you know, there there was some some age on that on that roster in Tampa. Um, but sure enough, it's like he turns on at the right time. And is anybody gonna be able to beat the Chiefs? Uh well, sure enough, you know, Tampa does it. And then the Patriots just like, not even making the playoffs. Like that—that's really surprising. And then you know to get in now into free agency mode, you know Bill Belichick—he doesn't like where his Patriots are, and he is—he's working hard to make sure that doesn't happen. But yeah, kind of a wild playoff run there for Tampa and getting getting that Super Bowl. Um, and so Tony, I'll, I guess I'll ask this, uh, not to belabor the point before we get into it: Is this? It's certainly not Tom Brady's last season. We know this already. But do you think this is Tom Brady's last Super Bowl appearance or maybe last Super Bowl win? Or do you think he has another one of both in his in his pocket there? Oh, that's a tough one. I think he could have another Super Bowl appearance. It's it's tough to repeat as champions. Uh, I, I thought he would have a lot of success in Tampa, at least initially. because I, I compared this very favorably to when Peyton Manning went out to Denver and Brady was in better shape than Manning was at that point um, where you go out to a new location with a ton of weapons around you and you just go right in there and get plugged right in and start having immediate success. Now it took a little bit longer uh, in Tampa uh, rather than, you know, very first game they're going out there lighting up the Baltimore Ravens like, like Denver did, but they also, they had a training camp a full training camp. They had preseason games, like even having <laughs> stuff this year. Sure. So their, their preseason game was game one against the new Orleans saints, the best team in the division. Uh, and they were at predictably a mixed bag that game and, and eventually started getting things going down the stretch. But I had a pretty good feeling Tampa was going to be a good team this year, at least this year. And, and after watching this team, it looks like they have an, another couple years in them. Uh, the way everybody's signed on to come back and uh, Brady's still uh, from an arm strength standpoint, doesn't he, he threw a better deep ball this year and he's thrown in years uh, at, at, at that age. Uh, he really doesn't look like he's really losing a step. So um, I, I think they could definitely be another appearance in there. 
and uh, you know everybody else in the league isn't standing still. Everybody's going to be tracking them now, uh, trying trying to get back there. The Chiefs aren't going anywhere. Patrick Mahomes will will be coming back. Um, I think you got some other teams in both leagues that are going to be rising to the occasion a little bit. Uh, so it's not going to be easy, but it's hard. To, how, how do you how do you bet against Brady at this point? Like, do you ever ever stop and, and think for a second, like how easy Brady's kids must think it is to get to a Super Bowl? Oh, right. It's, it, it's it's like it's like dad's going to like his racquetball tournament that he goes to every year or something like that. He's just going to the Super Bowl. It's like yeah, he just does this every year. It's, it's whatever. Well, uh, Pat McAfee one time he talked about you know the, he was the punter for the Colts and his rookie season was the year that the Saints beat the Colts in the in the Super Bowl and he was like you know that was the most somber locker room he's ever been in. And he was like, you know, guys, hey, we'll be back here. Like, we'll be back. You know, we look at our, our weapons. Like, we'll be back here. I don't know why everybody's, like, you know, so upset. And it's like, you know, he never went back to another Super Bowl. And and kind of not realizing how difficult that is. You think about the Hall of Famers that never made it to a Super Bowl. Uh, and, and, yeah, Brady's kids, on the other hand, are just like, you know, how long is the season going to last? Is it going to last into February this year or just late January? Uh, you know, it's, it's a wild, wild, but yeah, like they, they have a, probably a Super Bowl routine at this point of when yeah, the family yeah. travels out there and well, we, we can never go to Cancun in January. We always have to wait till after February to go. It's just, right. it's just how we've always done it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's crazy. Cause yeah, it, it's just like, oh, he's going to another Super Bowl. And like, it's just, yeah. It's one thing it's, to like live the life of the NFL, you know, superstar, but then yeah, to just be like, yep, every year we go to the Super Bowl, or uh, you know, half half of the last however many years, Tom Brady's been in a Super Bowl. Yeah, for, like, for every other team out there, it's it's like on their calendar, like in their kitchen, like penciled in there on on the Super Bowl date because that's like a goal basically. But for in the Brady household, it's like it's on there and they have plans built around it already. Who they're gonna see, who they're gonna talk to, <laughs> where they're gonna stay, like all of it's already like fixed because they already know they're gonna be there. Like it's it's so surreal. It's nuts, nuts. But hey, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, so they re-signed Brady, they re-signed Gronk. Uh, I'm excited for it. I think they're going to be good again. I mean, I think everybody, everybody thinks they're going to be good again. Uh, but we'll see if they can get back to another Super Bowl or at least a likely a deep playoff run. You know, yeah, and, and Gronk looked good too. Gronk. Yeah. It, it tur- turns out Gronk just retired from Bill. He didn't. He didn't retire from football. He's just like, I'm not doing this Patriot way bullshit anymore. Especially if Brady's not there. Like, what's the point? Right. Right. So, hey, good for them. Good for them. Um, other other news around the league, Tony, J.J. Watt is no longer a Houston Texan, now with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and so uh, I guess a two-part question for you, Tony, what in the world is going on in Houston that everybody wants out? And then what do you think about Watt going to the Cardinals? I was a little bit surprised at the Cardinals being his pick. Uh, yeah, well, to start with the first one, uh, the Houston Texans are <laughs> – basically what the Browns were for decades. Uh, they've become that like on steroids in one off season down there. So um, Bill O'Brien obviously was head coach GM for uh, the better part of two seasons there. And um, he went out and basically just decimated their entire asset pool, trying to put uh, stopgap players out there with Deshaun Watson. Uh, 
sent a, multiple first round picks away to Miami for Laramie Tunsil. Ended up trading away DeAndre Hopkins to get uh, uh, David Johnson, who's on his last wheels, and a second round pick back, which is just an awful deal uh, from the Cardinals. Uh, basically, getting rid of all all the weapons that uh, Deshaun Watson had, and then giving them they, no, they don't have a first round pick for the next two years, and I don't think they even have a second round pick this year. So they, they're completely just decimated on the asset front right now. And now you have uh, Deshaun Watson, who you gave a big contract to, uh, and you should have. He's he's a very very good quarterback borderline elite in this league if you put the right people around him. And I, I think he's shown the ability to win some games on his own uh, throughout the year, uh, despite kind of having his hands tied behind his back between with the, the personnel that's out there on the field with him. Um, they gave him the big contract, and now they have nothing. Uh, now that Bill O'Brien's gone, they have nothing around him uh, to really support him with. And they have no assets left on either the cash or draft pick front to put anything around him either. Uh, so in this, in this, uh, this issue kind of bubbled up to the surface this off season. Uh, they, they brought in Jack Easterby, who was kind of like the team chaplain uh, for new England when he was out there uh, he's team president now and it's kind of it almost has like this cultish like feel around uh, the, the Houston building at this point where um, you're either an Easterby guy or you're out um, they, they, they told uh, they told Deshaun that he was gonna have a, a say or be able to like sit in on, on a lot of these coach interviews which a lot of the top quarterbacks are Um he, he would have to have a little bit of a voice in that. And they pretty much ignored that entirely. Uh, didn't he, he really wanted Eric B to be interviewed. Uh, the was not interviewed until, until after the fact when they caught wind that Watson was pissed about it. And, you know, you're kind of at the point now, you know, JJ Watt was done with that organization, didn't want to be around him anymore. So he, he kind of gave them an ultimatum, you know, I, I, I want out. I want to, go elsewhere you know you guys aren't aren't uh, rowing the boat in the same direction that i think it should be going you, i don't see immediate success here so they granted him his wishes probably probably the best thing that they did all off season was not forcing a trade of jj watt uh they they kind of just did right by him he was a guy you know when you had the hurricanes down there he spearheaded millions and millions of dollars in relief money uh himself uh, going to that area. So he, he's a Houston icon. So to just ship him off someplace without his say would have been uh, really doing him dirty. So I think that he only would have caught probably like a fifth round pick back, something similar to what Calais Campbell netted last season. So um, people that are out there thinking he was going to get a first round pick back, that, that just was not going to happen, not with the amount of money he was owed. So they did right by him, cut him. He was able to go to, to Arizona. We'll touch on that part next. But, uh, you know, obviously Deshaun Watson wants out of town now too. He's he's requested a trade, demanded a trade. Um, and it, it's hard not to fault him in this instance because – um, you know, he, he doesn't see a path to winning there right now. Um, they, they brought in David Culley as head coach, which is a fairly underwhelming hire when I think there's other people and not that he wasn't like a qualified guy, but you know, you're bringing this guy in, who's going to be overseeing a very, uh, very intentional tank job this coming season. You see the guys they've, 
they've signed a lot of average guys this offseason, just basically souping up for a, a, a rebuilding run. Um, so I, I think in this instance, normally uh, quarterbacks get get upset and want to be traded. And it's like, yeah, they're, they're not going anywhere. Uh, this is the one instance where I think that's a little bit different. Uh, if I'm Houston, I would trade Deshaun Watson just because you're going to, by the time you can actually field a team around Deshaun Watson uh, that can win, he's going to be up for another contract because you just, you have nothing. You have no first, you have no seconds. And the only way you're going to get those picks back and be able to build a full roster again um, is by trading him away and starting that rebuild. Because uh, what, what Bill O'Brien did to that, the treasure trove of assets there is just, you know, you, you better, you better hit on all of those trades when you do it. And when you keep failing on them, uh, you really leave yourself shorthanded. So, you know, Houston's a bit of a disaster right now. I do expect they're going to trade, uh, trade Watson at some point this off season. I think they're coming to the same determination that, that I did, uh, you know, where it's, it's everybody's best interest to start over. Now um, it, it's been kind of hush hush over the past week, but Watson does have uh, some, some lawsuits coming against him right now for, um, some sexual harassment, sexual assault stuff. I, we don't know at this point whether there's any truth to any of that stuff, uh, but it is a factor and it is something to keep an eye on as, as he's looking to get traded. So um, if, if you're if, if you're a betting guy and you're trying to put down some money on us, who could be the first pick, uh, who, who would have the first pick in the 2022 draft next season, I would think Houston's probably a pretty safe bet. Sure. And uh, and then J.J. Watt, uh, you know, the Cardinals were not really linked to him too much going in there. He kind of kept a lid on his process for most of it and kept out the noise. So you didn't really know who were who were tops there. You know, the teams you kept hearing were the Packers, uh, his hometown team. The Steelers where his brother was. But that's um, that was never really a, a legitimate option with their their cash struggles there. Uh, the Browns were an option. The Bills were an option. And I, I think the Titans were also a big one because of his his relationship with Mike Vrabel. But he ends up going to Arizona. You know, they, they ponied up the most money for him. At the end of the day, um, he wasn't just looking for one last shot at a ring. He's, he's 31. Uh, I think in his eyes, he's still got four or five seasons left so he can go ring chasing afterwards. He still won another big contract. And you know, they're not... They're not hopeless in Arizona. They have a really good roster. They have a really bad coach in Cliff Kingsbury, but it's a two-year deal. So, in essence, you could um, they could do their usual seven and nine thing this year. They could fire Cliff and get a real coach in there, and then he could be geared up for a Super Bowl run that that year too. So, I don't think that part's outside the realm of possibility. But on surface level, I, he's not going to be competing for a Super Bowl this season. But he is going to be getting paid. I can't fault him for that. That's, uh... No. No. Yeah, the, the Houston situation is fascinating, um, and the Deshaun Watson situation is fascinating because the 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 Houston situation is basically, um, you know, there were all, all the issues last season with you know JJ Watt pretty much calling for Bill O'Brien to get fired, and then he does, um, and then you know obviously all the the upset with uh, Deshaun. But now, like you mentioned, with the the sexual assault, um, sexual harassment allegations, 
you know, at this point, it's in civil court. It hasn't gone to cr- anything criminal at this point. Uh, but uh, news out of from yes yesterday, Saturday, was that that would likely be changing, and there would be criminal uh, a criminal aspect to it. So, you know, obviously, the legal system will play out as it will. But if you're a team at this point, you know the the NFL is is rapidly changing how it responds to these these scenarios and so there if, if there is anything to the allegations you know deshaun watson is going to be suspended for a, a period of time which might be significant and so how much money do you shell out for a deshaun watson or i guess in a, a trade how much, how much of a trade asset do you do you shell out for deshaun watson when you don't know what you're going to get out of them this year from a criminal standpoint or from a suspension standpoint, and then let alone, you know, injury and all the, all the other normal risks you take on a player like that. Yeah. And and there's a line of thinking out there that uh, because of the timing of this, these Watson allegations that this is being generated by, it's a conspiracy theory that's being generated from Houston, from the from the Texans themselves. The owner is good friends with this attorney that's bringing uh, these these charges up to the forefront. And I don't, we're, we're in such an information gathering stage with this whole thing right now. I find that that theory very far fetched because, you know, what it's not in in the Texans best interest to assassinate Deshaun Watson's character, uh, particularly as you're trying to trade him. Uh, so e- either either side of the door, you're either trying to repair the relationship with him and he stays as your franchise quarterback for the next decade, or you're trying to get as much as you possibly can in a trade for him. Uh, going out there and you know, putting false allegations out there, bringing these charges, uh, if they're not true, would would hurt both sides of that. So I'm, I'm not sure I see that. Um, you know, this is one of those things where you don't want to jump to conclusions too early. Uh, the timing does seem a little weird, but, you know, stuff like this happens all the time out there. Um, and if it, if it is really being brought to light now, you don't want to make light of something like that. You just kind of need to uh, wait for the process to, to go through and see where everything lands there because, you know, teams are out there trying to trade for him. This is definitely going to impact what they're willing to give up because, you know, they're sitting around waiting to see what comes from this too. So uh, it's something that bears watching. It's something that's, that's gotten very, very little media attention so far, which is odd. Uh, I think there's just so much other news going on right now with uh, free agency heating up and March Madness happening. And uh, there was an NBA all-star game and there's all, all kinds of other things where the media doesn't need to, dig in on a story like this yet but um something to keep watching for sure yeah that's that's an interesting thing too because i think the the media side of it you know deshaun watson i saw deshaun watson's statement before i saw the allegations and it was pretty much like hey this is gonna be coming out and he kind of jumped ahead of it and deshaun watson has generally been a good guy in the nfl so i think um you know we we know at least what we know about deshaun watson don't know anything about the allegations yet. And so your, your, I think natural inclination is to believe the good, what, what you think is the good guy in this, um, you know, this attorney, I've heard more about this attorney that I have about most other attorneys, which makes me think, you know, is there, 
some ulterior motive here. Um, now, again, if hey, if any of this is true, then you know Deshaun Watson isn't a good guy anymore. Like that, that at least in, in depending on what what all comes out, you know that stuff changes rapidly. But um, and we'll we'll know here fairly soon because they are requesting a grand jury for um, I think it's five. Uh, five accounts that they're they're going to be going to a grand jury to see if um, if charges can be filed. So we'll see. Um, but the lawyer's saying there's now 12, 12 civil suits that they're going to have against Deshaun Watson. So yeah, more to come on this, but it would definitely be enough uh, to pause any team that's interested in a trade potentially to say, well, let's let's see what comes out of this grand jury if there's anything there. Um, or if if it's if there isn't, um, so we'll, more more to come on that. But we also have more free agency news other than the Houston Texans and JJ Watt, uh, Tony. And that is that there have been some big movements in the trade side as well. Um, Carson Wentz now going over uh, to to Indianapolis. Yep. Um, so. Uh, interesting from that standpoint, I think Carson Wentz has been, uh, I'll say to me overall disappointing. Everybody keeps telling me he's really good, but I'm not seeing it. Um, so what do you make of, of Wentz to Indy? Is that going to be anything there? Oh, I think it has the potential to be, but Wentz needs to work on himself quite a bit. He's, uh, he's, he's shown over the last couple of years that he is not very coachable. He seems to have a, a big diva personality to him. Uh, I don't know if this generated from um, his f- second season of starting where he was an MVP candidate. You know, he ends up getting injured uh, near the end of that season. Nick Foles comes in, leads him to a Super Bowl. Um, but for whatever reason, it's, it seems like in that, that there weren't many players in Philadelphia coming out backing Carson Wentz when he got traded. That that speaks volumes to me. Uh, I've I've always been a big proponent of his physical tools and and of his ability. And when he's right, he can be one of the top QBs uh, in football uh, with his abilities. But uh, for whatever reason, he hasn't been able to fully put it together. And I think this was, you know, I'm I'm partial to the Eagles, but I think this was an instance where both sides kind of needed a breakup. Uh, as, as far as, you know, maybe they're better off without each other. It was a weird situation. And and I think we can acknowledge that from the Wentz side, too. It was a weird situation in Philly. You know, he he puts together this great season. He goes down. A backup quarterback comes in. You have to sit there on the sideline and watch your backup quarterback win a Super Bowl. Uh, that, that should have been yours. Um, then you come back a little too soon the next season, still kind of hobbling, and you're you're kind of – you're dealing with fans that are calling for for Foles to come in because uh, obviously Foles has become this this folk hero and build a statue of him at the stadium. Yeah, yeah, you have a statue for the backup quarterback. Like it, it's such it's such an odd situation. Well, it's such um, a Philly story, right? It's the underdog. Yeah. It's the guy who's like Foles is the hero of that story. Every especially yep. in a place like Philly. Yep. Yep, it, it totally is, and Wentz has had to deal with that. Which uh, I, he's a human, you know. That it's tough to have to deal with that. I know you you want to hammer home the whole. Well, he should be mentally tough. He should be able to go get past all that stuff. Like, uh, yeah, to a degree. Um, but 
when this this is something you're dealing with every single day i mean you can't take away the human element of it and then you finally got rid of uh you sent Foles away um and then you go and draft jalen hurts in the second round which i think in wentz's eyes that was like a here we go again type moment um where they're they're drafting highly a backup rather than somebody at receiver or the offensive line or somebody to to help him out so i i I think those components uh eventually uh just bubbled up and, and created this this big rift between uh, Wentz and Eagles management to the degree where neither side really trusts each other anymore. And I think at that point, it's, it's just better off for them both to kind of go their separate ways. Um, Wentz goes to Indy where he worked with Frank Reich, who helped turn him into an MVP candidate. So if there's one person that can turn him back around, um, it's going to be Frank Reich and it's going to be Indy. But uh, Wentz needs to do some soul searching out there. Like um, Frank Reich's message uh, when he gets in the door needs to be uh, you need to dig in and you need to make yourself the quarterback that you used to be because you're your biggest issue right now. Um, and on the Eagles side, I, I don't, I don't fully trust Jalen Hurts as a starter. I think quarterback is very well in play here with their sixth pick in this draft, but uh, we'll see what they end up doing. I, you know, Hurts was exciting from a fantasy standpoint last year, but he wasn't good from a real uh, football uh, standpoint. I think, I think over the last four weeks of the season, he was the lowest rated quarterback in the league. So uh, far from a guy that should just be handed a, a, a starting job, in my opinion. Um, but it's going to be interesting to watch on both sides there. But, um, you know, Wentz, Wentz definitely has a lot of talent. I was, I was surprised that they were able to get a first round pick. Well, I guess a second round pick with the potential to turn to a first round pick uh, for him. I thought they were going to be fishing for like third rounders at this point with that massive contract that he has. And then over to the Patriots, Tony, we talked about, you know, with the Buccaneers, we're dealing with, with Brady and Gronk, you know, Bill Belichick, he did, he didn't like not making the playoffs and then watching his, his former quarterback go and win the championship. So the Patriots have been very active early on in this free agency. Um, we know tight ends, a giant position in the NFL and the Patriots have, have relied on tight ends a lot over over this period of success. So they signed Titans tight end Johnny Smith and Chargers tight end Hunter Henry. So two, you know, real good, real good tight ends. Uh, sure up out, outside linebacker with Matt Judin. Uh, Judin, I don't know how to say his name. Judon. Judon, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and then um, uh, safety Jalen Mills and wide receiver wide receiver Nelson Aguilar. So they're really starting to sure up some of these some of these spots that were weak last year. They've re-signed um, uh, Cam Newton, so that Cam's going like, to likely be the quarterback for this year. Uh, but what do you make of the Patriots here? Uh, I think this is some big time self awareness from uh, Belichick here, and realizing that he's not good at drafting, <laughs> and so he <laughs> needs to go out and pay for for guys to come in. Uh, the the guys they've brought in so far have been a bit of a mixed bag, in my opinion. Um, the tight ends, I think, are excellent uh, signings for them. This is this is peak analytics movement right here, um, where you pay big money for elite tight ends because um, tight ends. It, I've I've always said if I was running an offense myself, I would I would run two or three tight ends a lot, and I would pay a lot for good tight ends because tight ends are kind of 
to the Swiss army knife of offenses. Like if you have good ones that can then that are athletic can catch and can block, like you can pretty much make a defense wrong every single way you, you do it. You can split them out wide. You can bring them in, in line. Uh, you can basically dictate them every matchup that you get. And I think that's what he's doing here and realizing that the, the amount of money you have to pay for an elite tight end and the amount of money you have to pay for an elite receiver are completely different. You could get two elite tight ends essentially for the price of one elite receiver. Um, so it's from a money management standpoint, it makes a ton of sense uh, from an, an offensive scheme philosophy. It makes a ton of sense. Um, what doesn't make sense is then when you go and boy those with signing Nelson Aguilar to $13 million a year and Kendrick Bourne to $8 million a year, these are very average receivers. Um, so the fact that you're throwing around that type of money to them on day one of free agency, when uh, you could literally just, just wait a week, just wait a week. And there's going to be other receivers that are almost as talented as those guys that you can get for half the price. Um, the thing I'll push see, back, well, the thing I'll push back on you, Tony, with that. And, and I, I, you know, you know way more about, about these, these guys than I do, but we've seen year after year, Belichick, or was it Brady? I don't know which yet. Took these guys that appeared to be average receivers and probably were average receivers and turned them into pro bowlers because of fitting in the scheme. So as I look at this, I'm like, well, Aguilar, like he was a guy with the Raiders and formerly the the, the Eagles who was uh, he, he was always there. Like he was always a part of things. He had decent numbers, not great numbers. Um, and so is this, is this a guy who's going to fit that Patriot way, uh, or, you know, is it, is it something else? Yeah. But go, going along with that, with that thought process though, uh, if, if you believe that you can just plug in role receivers and turn them into studs, wouldn't you pay less for one later down the road? It's, it's, uh, you're, you're in a situation where you're kind of, you're left questioning. Okay. Was it Brady? Was it Belichick? We're, we're still going to be having this discussion for the next couple of years. Um, I think it was Brady elevating those receivers. Um, I think Bill thinks it was him and Josh McDaniels doing it. So he, I think he thinks he, he can plug in receivers like that. And um, you know, the elephant in the room is that Bill has not done a good job in the last couple of years of acquiring receivers. You know, he, he traded a second round pick for Mohamed Sanu uh, from the Falcons, who was absolutely dreadful in that offense. They didn't even bring him back for a second season. They, they took Nikhil Harry in the first round in 2019, in the 2019 draft, I believe it was. Um, he's been a bit of a non-factor, though he was starting to show some signs of growth uh, that rookie season with Brady there. Um, but he was essentially uh, looked like he couldn't play last season. And, and from all accounts, they've been trying to trade him. So uh, this is this is a position at receiver where Belichick really, in my opinion, hasn't earned the benefit of the doubt. on This, this isn't like this isn't with the Steelers drafting receivers where it's like, OK, I wasn't real high on this guy, but they see something they like and they seem to know receivers. So I'm just going to take their word for it. Sure. This is kind of like he hasn't earned um, without Brady there, you know, right. Brady could, Brady is obviously, in my opinion, the greatest quarterback ever, and he can elevate average receivers, uh, which is what the, the good QBs do. Uh, it's gonna, it remains to be seen whether that can happen, 
you know, without him there. You know, but on the other side, on the defensive side, uh, do I think they overpaid for a couple guys on defense? Sure. But uh, that's the spot where Belichick has earned the benefit of the doubt. Like he knows defense. He knows how to use guys and plug them into roles uh, where they're going to be successful. Uh, Kyle Van Noy just went down last offseason to Miami, got a big $50 million contract. They just released him. He just went back to New England. It's, it's the typical uh, – he gets guys paid. They go get paid elsewhere, flame out because they're not the same without his system. And they go back to him. Um, that's happened a couple times now. Um, so the defensive guys, I feel pretty good about him. He'll figure it out. Uh, those receivers overpaying for it, it just makes no sense to me because uh, if you're looking for role receivers, you shouldn't be paying that type of money for them. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the draft is because I can't imagine – uh, that they're just going to hand that job to Cam Newton either after how he looked last season. I got to think they're going to bring in somebody to compete with them. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that. I think Cam is, he, he's, he's a decent fit in there. Um, it seemed like things got better, but yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I imagine they'll bring somebody in there to compete. Um, and the question too, because the Patriots have a ton of money um, for free agency you know, are some of these guys, you know, um, basically pieces to move come draft day, you know, and, and obviously we don't know the answer to that, but th- that is the other piece that I kind of wonder. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It remains to be seen. He's always up to something. So, and I, he knows what they did last year. They can't just do again. So, um, Kind of the un, the unspoken thing that you haven't really heard too much about this offseason is that the Patriots had, I want to say, five or six starter level guys on defense last year opt out of the season that sure. will be back this year. So it's it's almost like you're adding them to the fray as well. So uh, do I think the Patriots are going to be what they were last year and be, um, you know, picking 14th in the in the draft again? No, I, th- I think they're going to be back in the thick of things next year. Um, I think last year was kind of a recalibration year where they went and bought low on Cam. It was kind of a lottery ticket uh, with with that team. Uh, they had some COVID issues midseason. You know, they were they were playing pretty well up until the COVID issues came around. And Cam actually got COVID. Uh, with symptoms and everything. And as, as we saw here in Cleveland with, with Miles Garrett, you know, those, those guys that actually contracted COVID and came back really weren't themselves the rest of the season. Um, so there, there's a lot of different factors that, that played into their season last year. I think they will be better this year, um, regardless of what they do at the QB position. Um, it's it's going to be tough for them to compete against that Buffalo team. Cause that, that team is, is stout in every single way. Um, but I, I don't think last year was like a condemnation on Bill Belichick. I still think he's a great coach and I still think he's going to figure out how to win in this league again. All right. We will see it's early in free agency. So more to come. Um, But you know, next, next around the corner, Tony is going to be the draft. And you talked a little bit earlier about, you know, you and Charlie, you you put out a lot of draft content last year that was well received by our, our listeners. Um, What's on the, what's on the docket this year, Tony? Well, we've kind of been working on our own uh, own podcast, uh, trying to get that up and running. Uh, obviously, with life happening on both of our sides, you know, he he had a daughter at the beginning of COVID. Um, you know, I've obviously moved and got engaged, and there's been a he he moved from 
uh, Arizona to Atlanta. So both our sides, there's been a lot of life stuff happening. So it's just kind of put on the back burner. Um, but this is something we would like to kick off next week uh, with some draft coverage. We'd like to go weekly leading up to to that uh, end of April draft to kind of catch up on a lot of that draft content. I think initially, you know, we're going to be talking uh, quite a bit. You know, the quarterback carousel this year is spinning off its axis. Uh, we're seeing more movement than ever before. Uh, there's some we didn't even touch on in, in this episode here. This was a nice little teaser uh, for for what's to come. And you know, there's going to be probably four or five QBs taking the first round this year. Um, there's going to be it's going to be a seismic shift in the NFL. And we're going to be covering that in depth next week, and we're going to be digging into some of these QB prospects who we think are uh, a really good class. Um, and, and for people that maybe aren't as as big on the actual football side, but more on the gaming side, more on the fantasy side, I think these QBs that are coming through are very fantasy relevant as well. So uh, going to be some good stuff to talk through. Um, I, this podcast is going to be it, it's going to be a kind of mix of things that, that we like to talk about. So it's going to be some a lot of analysis and scouting uh, around draft time, uh, but it's going to be a lot of fantasy, a lot of uh, betting. Uh, type information as the season gets in so uh, i think we'll probably pull probably pull steve in a little bit to help with that too he's kind of our fantasy guru so um big things on the horizon i think we're finally at a point where we can kind of get things rolling so be on the lookout for that hey steel valley media brand is growing Uh, so good things happening there and uh we will as long as you and charlie are cool with it we'll we'll um release that that first podcast you know um i can re- release on here also uh so that folks you know can get that little teaser if they and then make sure we get over to to that new podcast and uh subscribe download and uh you know learn a lot more about the draft and the guys and, and all of that that's, that's going to be happening so certainly uh anybody who's listened knows tony and charlie's knowledge is incredible so i i'm excited i'm excited for your guys new podcast i think it's been great Awesome. I think it's going to be fun. So be on the lookout for that next week and love to be able to put it, uh, put that first episode out there with the frosty pod too. That'll be a good access to, uh, to some existing fans out there. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, Hey, we, uh, we're finally back. It's late March. Uh, <laughs> so I guess, uh, you know, Merry Christmas, happy new year, uh, happy St. Patrick's day and <laughs> we'll get ready for April. Yeah. Uh, but you know, thank you all for listening. Uh, to, to this episode of the Frosty and Perenni podcast. On behalf of Tony and I, thank you, and we'll catch you next time.